We're going to be in John 1, and, uh, and I said this last week, and it ended up being my longest message, I think, ever, but this is legit today's, I promise today's going to be way shorter than last week, and um, I promise you, because I just got one specific passage to, uh, specific passages that I want to talk through, but this is big. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do today, though. Um, I know a lot of times, too, that uh, we go real deep, like, I, and I know that. And uh, that's something that I've wrestled with over and over and over. And I just, I, I th- one, I think y'all can handle it. And two, like, if I'm being completely honest, we don't got time to hang out in the shallow end of the pool for 85 years. We just don't. And so we're just going to go deep, and I'm going to trust the Holy Spirit will, will catch you along the way. I, 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 I will, let me say it like this. I'm not going to teach based on other people's failure to teach. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, if, if all of us had grown up being taught any deeper than an inch deep, um, this would be absolutely nothing. So I, I can't edit what I'm going to do based on other people's failures. And that's not a knock. That's not a knock. Okay. Um, this is real. So here we go. Uh, let me read some stuff I've been reading, uh, write, writing, and then we're going to get into John 1. Um, this is my favorite. John 1 is my favorite. So here we go. At our first appointment... After Jordan and I found out that we were pregnant with our daughter, uh, oh, where's, where's, uh, hey, Emily, um, I know I forgot that slide. Remind me to do it at the end. We got two announcements at the end. Please remind me. Okay. Anyway, squirrel. At our first appointment, after Jordan and I found out we were pregnant with our daughter, uh, we got an ultrasound, and during that ultrasound, we were told that Veda was, and we didn't know it was a girl at that point, but that she was around eight weeks old, I think, give or take, and that she was the size of a jelly bean. So if you don't have a, if you don't know how big a jelly bean is, about half an inch. So that's how big she was, okay? She had a heartbeat, but nothing else had really started to form yet. She was literally a little tiny ball of potential. That's all she was at that point, right? But One thing that was very certain at that appointment was that she was ours. That was the one thing that was absolutely certain is that she was ours. In fact, the moment that we saw pregnant on the pregnancy test, she was ours. We didn't wait to see how good of a kid she'd be or how smart she'd be or how she obeyed to determine if we wanted her to be our daughter. There was no list of demands that she first needed to keep before she was labeled a brown. That's my last name, and if you didn't know that. She was our kid because she came from us. That's it. In fact, nothing can change the fact that she's ours because nothing in her control made her ours to begin with. Y'all with me? I really need you to remember this so that when we get there, you'll know what we're talking about. Veda did absolutely nothing. She didn't choose her parents. She didn't choose how we treat her. She didn't choose how we take care of her. We, Jordan and I together, made a decision that our relationship was going to produce another. And by that decision alone, apart from Veda's interference in any way, shape, or form, by that decision from her parents, she's ours. Remember that. Identity, the word identity, comes from the Latin word idem or idem. 
I-D-E-N, which means same. Check this out. You ready? Identity comes from the Latin word item, which means same. So identity, if you're going from where, where the word origins uh, perspective, where a word comes from, this is what identity means when you look at its roots. Identity is the quality of being identical. The quality of being identical. Identity and identical both come from the same root word, which means same. Y'all good? Identity. Identical to what? In the case of humans, identity is being the same as what or who you came from. Veda is a brown because she came from a brown or browns, right? She did absolutely nothing to make that decision. She is identified as that because that's where she came from, period. So our daughter is identified as our daughter. Why? Because she has Jordan in my DNA. She has our blood. She has our physical features, mostly Jordan's physical features. Um, She has our way of thinking. She has our way of talking. She has our way of processing things. And the list goes on and on and on. All of those, all of those, she can mask and make appear to be different through unnatural means. But in reality, she can change none of those at a core level. Veda has no power to change her DNA. Now, a scientist could go in with a shot and start messing with her DNA. But, she, but at the core level of who she is, she cannot change who she is. Because who she is was determined by where she came from. <clears throat> she can make it all appear different, but she can't change it. Those things have been predetermined by who she came from. And not only that, they were determined before she was born. You and I have a lot of say in what we become or what we do with what we are after our birth. But we have no say in what we become before our birth. Amen? Okay. So here's the question I want to ask today. Is the core of our identity determined by circumstances before or after birth? This is major because we've been told that we were, for example, born into sin. Which, by the way, there's no verse in the Bible that says that. None. Just to be absolutely clear. There's one verse that people will use where David in the Old Testament says, into iniquity I was born. And he's writing that not saying I was born into sin. He's writing that because his mother was a concubine of his father, Jesse. He was the only son born illegitimate as a son, which is why when the prophet shows up to anoint a son of David or son of Jesse as king, David's not there. It's not just because David just is out in the field and he happened to not show up. Jesse, his father, didn't invite him because he wasn't a legitimate son. He was from a concubine. 
So when David says, into iniquity I was born, that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about sin. So that's the only verse in the Bible that says that. So this is what we told it. We have been told we were born into sin, which means we came from sin. If we were born into it, we came from it, which means we could not have come from God. The problem is because this sin originating identity was determined before you and I had a say, let's just say in Adam, before we ever breathed, all you can do is spend your life masking it, but never changing it and masking it by doing what? All the right things. So if you were born into sin, that means you came from sin. God is not sin. So if you came from sin and you were born into sin, you did not come from God and you were not born into God, which means you can't change where you came from because it was determined before you were ever born. So when that happens, the religious spirit comes in and says, you can't change it. You're just a sinner saved by grace. You can't change it, but what you can do is this, 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 and this, and you'll make it in by the skin of your teeth. You know what I'm saying? So what I want to do today is I want to get us to the point where we have to make the decision where we came from. Because if we change that, we've got to change everything else about who we are after we are born. Okay, this is called, excuse me, let me back up. Okay, the problem with this whole idea is that you can't change it, and so what you do is mask it by doing the right things. This is called burnout. It's working your tail off for something that isn't ever actually changing. It's why so many people in the church are apathetic and dry, and why so many outside of the church don't want to come in. We've essentially told the world that the gospel is this. You and I are intrinsically bad. Come to Jesus, and he'll cover up your bad with his good. And the way he covers it up is by what? You doing all the right things. So really, he doesn't cover it up. You cover it up by doing all the right things, which means he's no longer in the picture. Come to Jesus, and he'll cover up your bad. Well, how is he going to cover up your bad? By the cross? No, by you doing all the right things that came after the cross. So, so I'm going to cover all my bad by doing all the right things, but I'm really bad. Jesus said you'll know a tree by its fruit. So it doesn't matter what you do if the core of who you are is determined. If it's predetermined, you can burn out and burn out and work and work and work and show up to every church service we have. But if everything on the root level is it secure in who it is? It doesn't matter what you do on the surface or in the fruit because Jesus said what a fruit is is really determined by what the tree is. So if the tree, if the tree is dark, the fruit, no matter how much you paint it, will only ever be in reality dark. So instead of telling people that Jesus has come with a message of life transformation, we say life transformation is inviting you into a new version of the law. And by that way, you will be transformed. But we tried that, and all the law did was bring about the trespass so that where the trespass increased, we could see grace increasing all the more by way of the cross. Okay, so y'all hang with me. 
Is that, let me just ask, is that what the gospel is? Did the death of Jesus come about so our nastiness would be fully revealed that, oh, by the way, was predetermined by Adam and the devil before I was born? Is that what this is? Let me, let me just read this for you real quick if that's, you know, if you, ever, if you ever thought that way. This is what Romans 5 says. I read this last week, okay? So, this is a question. Did the death of Jesus bring about our nastiness so that we could see how lost we really were? Or, 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 was the law brought in, this is Romans 5.20, so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through the righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's the gospel. Why was the law of works brought in? Because Israel rejected the covenant of bridal identification. So God gave them religion that they asked for instead to do what? Why why would he do that? To show them that they cannot work their way in. And here's the the hard part a lot of us are going to have to get over. They can't work their way in or out of identity. Okay, we, we don't have a problem with saying you can't work your way into identity. Our problem comes in when we add the other part, you can't work your way out of identity. But it can only come by way of intimacy with the one who takes you back to the beginning. Why on earth would he want to do that? What, Lord, I'm going to jump it. What is identity? It's being identical. It's being the same. The same as what? The same as who? Anybody? Who you came from? Okay. So, 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 so. John 1. John 1. As I've taught before, John was not... Church history tells us John was actually not going to write a gospel. He wasn't planning on it. But by the time the early church, so the book of John is older than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. All scholars just about agree on that. And that's the reason. John wasn't going to write one. But by the time the early church had just gotten off its feet, the elders go to John of the church, and they say, essentially, this thing has already started veering from where it started. Would you write to get us and keep us back where it started? And praise God, John writes his gospel. Thank the Lord he did. But he doesn't start like the others. Matthew starts with the genealogy, the family line of Jesus, to prove Jesus came from David. That's where Matthew starts. Mark starts with John the Baptist to prepare the way for Jesus. Luke starts with the prophetic to prophesy of the coming of Jesus. But John starts further back. And it's not just further back, it's all the way back before one thing was born or existed. Now, why would he do that? After everything I've just said, why, what would be the purpose of John going all the way back before one thing existed and starting there? Remember, why is he writing his gospel? Because this has already started becoming another religion. 
they go to John and they say, we need to hear your perspective. John, the one who laid his head on the chest of Jesus. We need to hear what you saw and what you heard as you were laying on the chest of the one who is light for all mankind. Okay? What would be the point in starting in the beginning? What purpose would it serve? Let me ask you this. What is identity? It's where you came from. Here we go. John chapter 1, verse 1. First thing. I've memorized this in Greek because this is what I'm learning in Greek right now. So anyway. Uh, in the beginning, I'm going I'm to read it one time in the NIV, and then I'm going to read it one time um, in what the Greek actually says. In the beginning was the word. The word was there is an active, indicative, imperfect form. That's, we don't have that in English. That's why you don't know what that is. Okay, The actual word was literally means to continue to be. There's no point in time. Okay, So if I said yesterday was cloudy, you would say that day and that time was cloudy. The word was is in a tense we don't have in English. This is a continuation. Okay, So in the beginning, the word content, or excuse me, in the beginning, continued to be the word is really what it's saying. But was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Everybody say all. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not or cannot overcome it or understand it. Now, let me read this in the Greek. You ready? I'm not going to use the Greek words. I'm going to use English, but this is what it says. It says, in, not the, in beginning. Why would he write that? Because that is the same wording used in Genesis 1 when it says in beginning. The Greek doesn't need those little the. It's a lot freer of a language, okay? So John doesn't write the. That's an English way of us understanding. In beginning. So he's taking it all the way back to the front of the story, okay? Continued to be the word. Okay, so that's eternal. That's never, no start, no beginning, but in the beginning, continue to be the word. And the word was with, prostantheon, right there. The word with is actually toward. So the word is in orientation. So the word, Jesus, was oriented toward God, face to face. And the word continue to be God. Now check this out. In the Greek, in the Greek, John, because Greek is a freer language, he moves words around, and other writers you do this too, moves words around to point out what he really wants you to focus on. So in the English we have, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God because it flows better. The Greek says this, um, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and God was the word. That's what the Greek is. And God 
was the Word. Now, how does that change? See, does that change that? The Word was God versus God was the Word. Do you see how that changes? So, Jesus wasn't just a piece of God. God was Jesus. Paul says it like this. In him, God was pleased to have the fullness of the Godhead dwell bodily. Amazing, amazing. So John starts out, he starts out with Jesus before one thing was created. He was with God in the beginning. Now, what language is that? That is John saying that Jesus, by being face-to-face with God in the beginning, is God. He existed before anything else existed. He's eternal. He is deity. He's God. Okay? So John starts out, and I'm going to read this in one other translation, maybe two. But he starts out with Jesus in the beginning is fully God. Now again, why would he start out like that? Because John is ultimately about to tell us where we came from. Let me read it. Let me read it in this translation. This is the Mirror Study Bible. Um, if I can find it, I didn't mark it in my Bible. John one, and let me just read how uh, how he translates this because it's awesome. Here we go. To go back to the very beginning is to find the Word already present, face to face. It's toward with God. The one mirrors the other. The word is I am. He's God's eloquent echo, and it concludes in him. The word equals God. Okay? It's a power, power phrase. In, or excuse me, the beginning mirrors the word face to face with God. The logos, the word, is the source, and everything commences in him. He remains the exclusive parent reference to their existence. Who's there? everything. There is nothing original except the Word. Do you, you hear that? There is nothing original except the Word. Why? Because everything comes from the Word. So the separation thing, you, your sin separated you from God until you repeated a prayer or whatever? Right? Eh, no. No. You came from him. Veda could run from here to ten buck two, and you know what? She's still our daughter because she came from us. Her running doesn't determine who she is. She can run all she wants. She can run and run and run and run and run and run. But at the end of the day, the moment she realizes, you know what? I need to go home. She's going to come home, and guess what? She's still going to be the daughter. And we're still going to restore her, and we're still going to bring her in. Why? Because her identity never changed. She's ours. All right. All right, all right, all right. His life, or excuse me, let me back up, back up, back up. The logic of God defines the only possible place where mankind can trace their origin. His life is the light that defines our lives. The darkness was pierced, the Greek starts with the darkness, which is unbelievable. The darkness was pierced and could not comprehend or diminish the light. That's what the Greek actually literally says in verse 5 when it says, the light shines in the darkness. The Greek actually says, 
in the darkness the light shines. Okay? Now again, we're essentially saying the same thing, but we're saying something totally different. We're saying that we're in the darkness and Jesus came to shine a light and that, that we might get out of the darkness. What John is saying is, no, Jesus entered into the darkness and from the darkness shined a light out. His light shines in the darkness versus in the darkness his light shines. Do you see that? So, okay, okay, okay. So, so this, is what, this is what we see. We see a world that is dark, but we're going to shine a light over it. Jesus sees a world that is dark, and he climbs into the root system of the darkness, and from there shines a light. Very different. Amen. Amen, brother. Okay. But then in verse 3, so he starts with who Jesus is, transitions into verse 3 with who we are. Okay? So I'm going to tell you who Jesus is. He's God. He was in the beginning. Everything originates in him. Verse 3. Through him, now there's a shift, all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. Do you remember a few weeks ago, I taught you, no, it was months ago, I taught you that darkness has no ontological existence, ontology, the study of existence. Darkness has no waveform. Darkness does not exist. It's not real. So if you're in a dark room, you're technically not in a dark room. You're in a room that has very little light. Darkness is a measure of light. It is not an ontological existing being. So i got to move this. i got to move this. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. That life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it or has not understood it. Why is that huge? Why is that so important? Okay. If darkness is simply a measure of light, and his life is light, what is John saying? He starts, and I'm, there's a reason I'm showing you this, because we're going to end up in Colossians, then we'll be done. He starts with who is Jesus. Jesus is God. Then he transitions. Because remember, why is he writing this? Because we've, they've already started turning this into a religion. This is something you do. Okay? So he's writing this to say the only way they're going to understand fully that this is not about what you do is to take them back to where they came from so that they can see what they did did not create their identity. It was who they came from that created their identity. So Jesus is God. Jesus was there in the beginning before one thing was made. And him using the phrase in beginning is really to point them back to Genesis when it says, in beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth is void and formless. And he said, let there be light and all that stuff. John is going all the way back and he's saying, do you know who uttered the words, let there be light? The word. Let me, let me, let me back it up. Who was it? that brought Adam out of the dirt and breathed into him. The Word. You see what I'm saying? So, he takes it back. This is where you came from. And now he brings it into the present. In him was life. That life, that life was light to all mankind. 
and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness, or let me, in the darkness the light shines, and the darkness hasn't overcome it. Hasn't understood it. Let me say it like that. So now John's speaking to the religious spirit. Because remember the Sermon on the Mount. What did Jesus say? He tells them, make sure the light within you is not actually darkness. Make sure that what you think identifies you is not actually the opposite of what identifies you. Because what did the religious spirit say? It was all about what you did, right? Jesus is saying, make sure you don't call your works your identity. His life is what shines in the darkness, and the darkness cannot understand it. No eyes see, no ears heard, no mind is comprehended what the Lord has planned for those who love him, those who live in that light. Now, Paul picks up this idea, and I want to jump ahead to Colossians 1. So if you want to meet me there, Colossians 1. And I might get back to John, but I'm going to read this in Colossians, and then I'm, I'm done. So I told you I didn't have a lot today, but we're not done yet. Colossians 1. It's right after Philippians, somewhere kind of towards getting towards the end of your Old Testament, um, depending on what type of Bible you have. So anyway, Colossians, Colossians, Colossians. This is what Paul says, and this is, this is awesome. Here we go. Verse 15, verse 15. He says, The Son is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn over all creation. All creation. For in him, he's picking up the thought of John, in him all things were created. Things in heaven, on earth, visible, invisible, powers, thrones, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through, and then Paul adds a little phrase right here that's really going to jack us up. Because John had taken us all the way to the point of you originated in him. Paul takes that a step further and says, not only did you originate in him, from him you were made and for him you were made. So now Paul transitions and he's not just talking about where you came from. He's talking about your purpose at this point. You came from him and your life exists for him. Okay, 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 okay. So, he is, the, he is before all things. He is before all things in beginning. And in him, all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. There's, the, there's sovereign. There's a sovereign thing right there. For God was pleased to have all his fullness, right there, dwell in him. For what? And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Verse 21. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies. Uh-oh, what do we do about that? Once you were, I, I need you to hear, I really need you to hear this right here. 
once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds. And then if your Bible says because of your evil behavior, you can scratch that out. Most of you probably have a little uh, note at the bottom. The Greek there is... um, You were enemies in your minds as shown by your evil Paneros workspace behavior. Okay? So not because of, as shown by. It bore fruit in your evil behavior. Okay? Verse 22. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation, if you continue in faithfulness. The word right there is is focused on Jesus' faithfulness. So if you continue in his faithfulness, established and firm and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel, the good news. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed. Now, I want you to hear this. You've read this before probably and never thought about this. This is the gospel that you heard heard that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven. Huh? Is that not weird? No, they haven't. You know what I'm saying? No, they haven't. Paul goes through this whole thing. This is the gospel and every single creature under heaven has had it proclaimed to them. We're still trying to evangelize the globe. And this is 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, Paul makes the statement that every single creature under heaven has had this proclaimed to them. That is odd. Really odd. So then we have to back up and we have to say, what is Paul talking about? Because it's obviously not being an evangelist, even though Paul was an evangelist. But obviously he's not talking about that because at that point, that is a lie. Not everybody has heard that. Or or is he talking about something deeper? Let me sell this. If you came from God, what does that make your identity? Children of God. You didn't choose to be born. You didn't choose. You didn't have a say in it. In Genesis 1, let us make man in our image. And the early church fathers say that the, the relationship between Father, Son, and Spirit, the Greek word they used was perichoresis. Peri, which is the word we get like periscope or perimeter from, circle. And choresis, where we get the word choreography from. So when the church fathers get together and they say, we've got to come up with a, with a way we can talk about the Trinity, the word they came up with was circle dance. You know what I'm saying? Circle dance. So, Father, Son, and Spirit in this circle dance make the decision. Same as me and Jordan made the decision, we're going to add to our family. 
Father, Son, and Spirit in relationship say, we're going to add to our family. Let us make man in our what? Image and likeness. The word image is the word for like physical. You can look at somebody and see their image. Likeness is a word for an interior world. So outside and in, let us make man like us. In totality is essentially what he's saying. Let it, and so it spun us off. This is what John is talking about. This is what Paul is talking about. But Paul steps even deeper, and he says, once that has been established, which is a huge first step, because most of us in the room, that has not been established. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you legitimately believe you were born into sin and that you're nothing but a sinner saved by grace, you don't know who you are, you don't know where you came from, and it's a lie. That's not true. That should be heresy. That, I mean, that should, people call me a heretic for talking about the love of God. If I'm a heretic for talking about the love of God, I'm the heretic. But, you know what I'm saying? I mean, seriously, if I had a dollar for every time I got called a heretic, I'd be rich. But that's okay. Maybe a Bitcoin for every time I got called a heretic. That'll work. But, but it, is, it is heresy to say that Jesus is something that he is not. We would agree on that. To say that the Father or the Spirit is something that they are not, we would agree on that. Because we came from them, it is equally as much of a heresy to say that we are something that we are not. Because we do nothing but mirror the image that we were born from. When you look at Veda, she doesn't have a unique image. She has a combination of mine and Jordan's image. When you look at her, you see us. She mirrors us. She does everything the way that Jordan and I have taught her, mostly Jordan because she's with her all day. If you walk up to her and say, hey, do you want this piece of chocolate? She wouldn't eat it. You know why? Because Jordan has taught her that sugar is not good. You know what I'm saying? So she would run to us and she would say, is it okay if we eat this? Why? Because she's mirroring what she came from. This is... All, if you're, if you're like, like you guys in high school, and Hannah, you were just in this world, like all these kids that are like, seem like they're losing it, almost 100% of the time, you can trace back to a parent that has lost it, and they're doing nothing but mirroring where they came from. You, you see what I'm saying? And the same thing with good kids. You look at good kids, and the reason they're good is because they have good parents, because they mirror where they came from. It is heretical to look at us, for you to look in the mirror and see anything but child of God. Apart from what you've done. See, Veda, Veda doesn't look at herself and say, I'm a daughter because I've done this day, I've done this day, I've done this day. That doesn't ever cross her mind. She's just a daughter. You know what I'm saying? If she does something we tell her not to do, she's still a daughter. That never comes into question. For some reason, and I don't know, I do know why, but for some reason, our default is to judge who we are based on what we've done and to judge primarily who we are not based on what we've done. Where does that come from? It sure doesn't come from here. And it sure doesn't come from Jesus. It sure absolutely does come from the American South but it does not come from this. So what we've got to do is we've got to untrain our minds to get out of our identity being a culmination of what we have done and instead see our identity as something that was secured and solidified before we ever took a breath. Before you ever had an opportunity to sin, your identity was established. 
I mean, this is, this, I mean, this is huge. So last week, we talked about the theology. So two weeks ago, two weeks ago, we talked about how, how we think has to be informed by what we know God to be. You remember that? None of y'all remember that. That's okay. So go back and listen to it. But we, Morgan remembers. I see you're shaking your head. So our philosophy, philosophy is the study of how you think, has to be informed by what we know God to be. Not we're going to cram God into our way of thinking and we're going to know God to be something that we have preconceived in our minds. No, God has been preconceived and his identity and our identity has been preconceived. Our thinking has to conform to that, right? So that's number one. So last week we talked about theology. There's the whole day. I read, I don't even know how many verses last week, multiple chapters, okay? And we went back and we, we taught the theology that God never wanted works even in the Old Testament. Never, okay? This week, now that we've seen this, we're given an opportunity to now shift how we think based on what we know God is like which is not a God after what you do, which is a God that could care less about what you do unless it continually affirms who you are, but a Father who simply wants you to be convinced that you are intrinsically good. This is a Father that wants you to look in the mirror and with complete integrity be able to say, that is good. And not because you read your Bible 10 minutes yesterday or whatever. No, in, in, the, in the lowest moment of your life, even from there to be able to look in, if there's one thing I don't know, there's one thing I absolutely do know. And it's that I am a son or daughter of Abba. This is why Jesus says, when you pray. Now remember, he's talking to the people who are about to kill him. When you pray, pray like this. Father. The, uh, the Pharisees, at that moment, when they heard him say, you are to address him as father, they start getting together saying, we have got to kill this guy. Father? Calling God Father? You know, I mean, stuff like that, we just, it's just like rolls off our head now, like Father. Amen. Praise God. Where's going Cracker Barrel? No. No. He says, when you pray, Father. Huh? Jesus is coming. He's saying, you, Paul said, you were never, ever enemies of God, but you were in your heads. You thought you were God's enemy. But in that place, he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you as holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. How? Not because of you being free of accusation, but because he did it on your behalf when you were not free from accusation so that your freedom from accusation would not be based on what you've done. Christ died while you were still a sinner so that in the lowest point, the light could shine in the darkness and the darkness not be able to comprehend it. This is the gospel. It's too good to be true because the darkness can't understand it. 
in the darkness, it says, how on earth is God dying on my behalf to bring my hide back home after all the craziness I've done? How on earth is he doing that? And yet from there, he shines a light in the darkness. And the darkness, if we're not careful, and if we're living in that mindset, we'll say, that doesn't make sense. Let's create a gospel that does make sense, which is based on what I do. So instead of making the light something that the darkness can understand, religion, we've got to make the transition to living in the light. We're not in the dark trying to comprehend the light. It'll never happen. What we've got to do is transition and be people of light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness not comprehended. We missed an amazing opportunity over the past couple years. While everybody was fighting on Facebook about masks and, and vaccines, we could have been shining a light and might have saved America through all this stuff. Instead, what we did is we showed America how, how impoverished religion is. You know what I'm saying? Well, bro, brother, I, lo I love the Lord, but I'll tell you what, you'd make me do one thing. It's like, you know, you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I understand that. I love freedom. Praise God. I love freedom. I love peace. I love the whole thing. At the end of the day, I don't care. I don't. I don't. And if you care, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying I absolutely don't. The one thing I care about is your kingdom come, your will be done. What's the verse, Brandon? Brandon, that verse you shared yesterday in 1 Corinthians. Where's Brandon? I always lose him. Is he not even here right now? There you are. Brandon. Brandon. 1 Corinthians 9. Okay. Huh? 919. Let me read it. Let me read it. It was amazing. It was amazing. It's okay. NLT. 1 Corinthians 9. Y'all ready for this? Check this out. Check this out. Check this out. 9. <laughs> oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. What am I getting myself into? Uh, verse right here. Though I am free and belong to no one. Amen. Democracy. Though I'm free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews I became like a Jew, to win the Jews, to, the, uh, to those under the law I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak, to win the weak I have become all things to all people, so that by all means I might save some. The word save is not talking about heaven. It's talking about you living saved and so Zoe life now so that I might wake some people up. I do all of this for the sake of the good news that I may share in its blessings. We didn't do that. We didn't do that. You know what I'm saying? Paul is not saying, I just, you know, to, to all the, the druggies, I just got on drugs. That's not what he's, that's not what he's saying, Okay. No, no, no. He's saying, I met them where they were, and in that place, I did not tell them they've got to do something. I met them where they were so that as Jesus shined a light in the dark, I might shine a light in the dark and save some. So what if we approach the past two years from that perspective? Here's an amazing opportunity. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going I'm to climb down to the level of where anybody is in my life. I'm not going to condemn them. I'm not going to go against them. I'm going to meet them where they are, and together we're going to walk into the light by all means. That just felt real good to say. Some of y'all are going to leave church after that. That's okay. All right, Colossians 1. 
I say that sarcastically because none of y'all will. I just like saying that sometimes. It makes me feel better about myself. The, the, the sun is the image of the invisible God and the firstborn over all creation. The one thing I need you to leave with today, the one thing, and I'm almost done, Matt, go ahead and I'm up here and make me finish. The one thing I want you to leave with today, okay, is that you did not originate with your parents. You didn't originate with your grandparents. Your parents didn't originate with their parents. You originated in God, in Christ. You were born not into sin. You were born into Christ. In fact, in fact, what Paul says is, all things, or John, excuse me, all things were made through him and apart from him, nothing that exists exists. What John is saying is, is anything that exists came through him. If something exists apart from him, it actually doesn't exist. So it is completely illogical for us to ever have a doctrine that has at its core separation between us and God. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. You came from God, which means at the molecular level, your DNA, when you start to read who you are, is his. You look like him. You have his features. You know what Paul also says? He says, who knows the thoughts of God except God? Who knows your thoughts except you? But you've been given the mind of Christ. So the way you think is like him, the way that you talk is like him, the way that you sing is like him, the way that you play instrument, the way that you work, the way that you process, all of it is like him. You didn't come from the devil. The devil's a created being too. You, you didn't come from the devil. The devil has no authority to create you or anything else. He does not say half the things came from God and the majority of the other things came from the devil. And what we're going to do is the, our whole lives, we're going to try to trick all those people that came from the devil that need, they need to be on God's team. You, no, have you seen the meme that goes around? And thank God I haven't lately. Lord, have you seen the meme where you got Jesus, who's pretty muscular on this side, doing an arm, have you seen this? Arm wrestling, and then you got the devil, who's got, by the way, bigger muscles than Jesus on this side, and they're arm wrestling, and it's like, all right, who's gonna win? No, 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 it's here's Jesus, and this little tiny pit squeak of nothing is down on his feet, and he's stepping on top of it, that's the devil. Well, man, the devil is really tempting me. No, 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 no. You are tempting yourself. You're living in the dark. Bru <laughs> huh? 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 Man, the devil's all over my case. No, 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 no. You need to step into the light and learn what's real. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. If I could really mess with you, we've translated that as the devil. Greater is he who's in me than the big, powerful one. There's somebody in the earth that's more powerful than the devil, you and I. So, 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 what we have done is we have, Damon uses abdicated, that means to give away. We have given away all of our authority to the devil, but I'm gonna add, 
we've given away all of the blame to the devil. And I'm not talking about blame as far as your identity. I'm not talking about that, okay? We're, we're un, we need to undo that. I'm talking about when you are struggling, the devil is not telling you to look at stuff on the computer you shouldn't look at. You are. So you can either get in the light or you can live in the dark and not understand. That's what it says. The darkness can't comprehend the light. Man, the, de the devil is tempting me. No, 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 no. You need to step into the light and get real. The debt, man, the devil got me into debt. No, the devil did not get you into debt. You got you into debt. Get in the light. This, see, this is why the church is so important. Because when you walk in this room, you've got spiritual fathers and mothers that will make sure you get in the light and it might not be comfortable. I need people in my life to look at me and tell me when I am straying off the path so that I stay on the path. That is not meanness, that's not anger, that's not them stepping on toes. It might be them stepping on toes and those toes need to be stepped on. But that's why it's so important. But if you stay home and watch a service online, you don't have a spiritual father or mother that's able to look you in the eyes and say, this is not it, but this is. You know what I'm saying? The church is huge. And what have people done over the past two years? They have fled the church for online church. I'm, this is dangerous. Where we are right now is so dangerous because we've got people who think they're doing church through a camera. Do you know what the word ecclesia means? Governing body. Last time I checked, the way that Congress does things is not sit at home in their pajamas and watching a screen while President Biden tells them what they need to do. That's not what they do. You know what they do? They get together and they legislate. Well, or they should. They're supposed to. They don't. But you know what I'm saying? They get together and they legislate. They're a governing body. And where America goes is 1,000% determined by the laws made in that governing body. That's the ecclesia. That's literally what the word means. We get together. And so when we get together, what we've been doing over the past six months is we've gotten together. And here's what we've said. The law of works in this country is now illegal because we've passed another bill. And that bill is the love of God. That's the church. You know what I'm saying? I'm not like, I know a lot of people watch this over camera. I'm not like condemning anybody for watching it over camera. I'm saying there have been people just simply out of laziness that have stopped going to church and they have sat at home and they've turned on a camera every now and then and they've watched somebody tell them how to be happy and how to have joy and how to do all this stuff while there are people jumping from buildings. I, I'm, I'm, you, you see what I'm saying? Miss America, the Miss America, on the outside looked amazing, like this, everything's great, everything's fine, all that stuff. And then we get the news that everything actually wasn't fine, that we might have found out if she had been in an environment where a spiritual father could look at her and say, things aren't okay, but they will be. And we're gonna walk together through this. People are dying and we're sitting back on our couches watching a screen thinking that's what the Lord called the kingdom. It's not. COVID-19 should not have kept us from doing this. There's one thing to be safe. It's a whole nother thing for us to let things slide us into a place of complacency. Lord, I'm about to preach my way out of a church. <sighs> yeah, but you know what I'm saying? People are struggling. 
I talk to them all week long when I go over there or I meet somebody at lunch and I'm talking to people this, this week. Hey man, are you, uh, I talk to somebody, are you still at New Spring? Nope, that was five years ago, buddy. I, I'm not there. You know what I'm saying? And I, I don't mean that in a mean way. I'm just, in other words, I haven't been in church in five years. Do you still go there? Right? And, and it hit me. That, that's the conversation I have with everybody. And the reason they left is because they came into a room where people told them how to be happy. All right, man, do this, you have joy. Boy, you got, you got to have joy. You have joy. Joy comes from the Lord. If you don't know who the Lord is, you can manufacture joy all you want, but you ain't going to have joy. But if you'll get into the secret place and let him stare the thing in your life that has kept you from joy in the eye until it is burned in the light and turned to truth, Ephesians 5, now suddenly you have joy. And it's not because you're striving to have joy. It's because joy is a fruit of your tree. But we've got to start. Some of y'all are mad. I'm sorry. We've got to start with who we are. What, what is your identity? We've talked about it for four years. What is your identity? You are a child of God. Period. There is not a prayer in heaven or earth or under the earth that has the power to change that. There is, there are prayers that have the power to wake you up to that. You know what I'm saying? And I wish that's what we had made that sinner's prayer. I wish we did. It's not a sinner's prayer. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what we should call it. I wish we had made it that, where instead of that, we made it where we're, people are praying to wake up to the knowledge that they are something they have lived their entire life the opposite of. I, at one point, you were alienated and enemies with God in your mind. It's a big phrase. In your mind. Jesus didn't die because you were enemies with God. Jesus died to fix your mind that said you were enemies with God. Last thing, last thing, last thing. <clears throat> Y'all good? Okay, sorry. Um, I'm not sorry, but I just like saying it so you feel, feel better about it. Uh, Colossians 1, what I just read, let me just read this. Okay. <clears throat> Verse 13. He, God, has restored, rescued us, excuse me, from the dominion of darkness and relocated us into the kingdom where the love of his son rules. In God's mind, mankind is associated in Christ. His blood sacrificed in it, we were ransomed. Uh, our redemption was secured and our hemartia, our sins, our formlessness, was completely done away with. In him, the image and likeness of God is made visible in human form. Check this out. That everyone may recognize their true origin in him. In him, the image and likeness of God in Jesus is made visible in human form so that humans may recognize their true origin and identity in him. He is the firstborn of every creature. 
Why did Jesus become man? Let me quote St. Athanasius. St. Athanasius said this, because um, I'm, I'm writing a book, another book right now, and this is chapter one. But St. Athanasius said this in his writing, in, on the incarnation, early church father, amazing guy. He said, uh, God became man so that man could become God. And he wasn't talking about man being God. You know what I'm saying? He's talking about identity, okay? You know what I'm saying? He's saying, God identified with us so that we could remember where our identity really is. Why did Jesus have to become man? I, this is a, a, a theology point people debate all the time. That Have you ever heard somebody, or maybe you've asked this question before, why couldn't God just forgive everybody without Jesus having to come to the cross? You ever thought about that? Um, and I would argue the cross was, was not about forgiveness. I would argue the cross was about us waking up. But forgiveness had to be made, made fully known on the inside of us by way of viewing the cross or else we would have still lived enslaved to what we've been forgiven to. But the cross and Jesus on the cross, Jesus became flesh. Why? Because we forgot, we in the flesh forgot where we came from. So Jesus came in the fullness of fleshly identity so that as we lay our eyes on Jesus, it hits us. Wait a minute. That's me. Have you ever, have you ever, um, somebody was telling me this story recently and I, I, it might've been on a Tuesday night. Um, anyway, somebody had a grandparent that um, had dementia and like basically forgot who they were. Who was, somebody was telling me this story recently. Um, was that you, Emily? I forget. Anyway, anyway, somebody had a grandma or a grandpa who had dementia and forgot who they were. And anyway, oh, you were telling me. So they got to the point where uh, a, an image, a picture was shown of an earlier kind of like time and it hits this grandparent oh wait a minute, I know exactly who this is do you know what I'm saying? because it took it back to the point of memory Jesus steps into our story into our lost minds so that as we gaze upon Jesus it hits us wait a minute, I know who that is. It was me. Why did Jesus have to become flesh? Because you would not know who you were had he not become flesh. That's why. Had nothing to do, the father didn't need to kill his son. The father didn't need to beat the snot out of his son and he didn't. We did. We killed Jesus. Not God. We did. We did that. Why did Jesus have to become flesh? Because God is so infatuated with his kids that he refuses to live without any of them. So he became flesh in an attempt to submit to their darkness. You're in my darkness. So that there, as the light begins to shine, we might actually go all the way back to the garden when Jesus, the same Jesus, stands before us face to face and Everything that is begins in him, 
whether in the heavenly realm, upon the earth, visible, invisible, he's the original blueprint of every order of justice, every level of authority, be it kingdoms or governments, principalities, jurisdictions, the original form of all things were found in him and created for him. He is the initiator of all things, therefore everything finds its relevance and its true pattern only in him. And the church, the ecclesia, is the visible expression of which Jesus is the head. Verse 19, God is fully at home in him. Jesus, check this out. Jesus exhibits God's happy delight to be human. He initiated the reconciliation of all things to himself. Through the blood of the cross, God restored the original harmony. His reign of peace now extends to every visible thing upon the earth, as well as those invisible things which are in the heavenly realm. How do you do spiritual warfare? You got to know who you are. Done. All th through the cross, he restores harmony and his reign of peace extends not to just every visible living thing. It extends to the invisible things that you and I have spent so much time fighting. What does that mean? It means God's restoration of who we are and our minds that have forgotten who we are have now gone even into the depths of the things that we cannot see and the powers we cannot see to say this is who they are and you are done. So we pray over things. We prayed over sickness last week, over my aunt. We prayed over sickness. We don't pray over those things in combat. I'm not fighting cancer. I'm telling you what to do. Brother, that's word of faith. No, 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 no. That's me knowing who I am. I'm not saying you say it enough until you believe it and it comes to pass. It's dumb. What I'm saying is, is you say it believing that you are, when you pray, the same frequency as Jesus is when he prays. He says, there's going to come a day when you're going to approach the Father boldly. And that day is now. So we walk to the throne, which if I could really, if I could, if I had time today, would prove to you is on the inside of you and I. We are the temple of the Lord. But we approach the throne and we speak things out of knowing who we are. Veda can go to somebody and say, We're gonna go to lunch today. Do you know why? Because me and Jordan have determined we're going to lunch today. And she has full authority to tell somebody else what we're doing because she's our daughter and she's heard it. Jesus said, I do nothing I haven't seen the Father do. Okay, okay. So when we go to prayer, are we trying to twist God's arm? I mean, fasting. Have, have, how many of y'all seen this? Everybody's doing 21 days of fasting right now. Most people do the Daniel fast because you can still just chow down on, on nuts, not even know you're fasting. You know what I'm saying? Eat more peanuts than the, the, the little nut dude. Anyway, so... But 20, 20, you know, right? Every, have you seen this? Everybody right now, 21 days fast, bro, 21 days fast, 21 days. We're going we're gonna to believe, we're going to pray, we're going to do it. And what we're really doing is we're going to say, we're going to spend 21 days and we're going to beg God to move in things that if we don't fast, he might not move in. And if that's why you're fasting, you need to go get a steak. If that's why you're fasting, let me help you. Don't. You, your fast is not to twist God's arm. Your fast is to remember where you should hunger and thirst after. Period. That's it. You know what I'm saying? I don't fast a ton because I'm hungry. 
Well, bro, you know, Jesus didn't either because Jesus' hunger was never in question. You know what I'm saying? If our hunger gets in question, you should absolutely fast. My hunger right now is not in question in any way, shape, or form. I'm more hungry now than I've ever been. So I'm not trying to twist God's arm. I'm trying to tell things in the identity that I know I am what to do. And cancer cannot live in a body that has been determined the child of God. So we're going to start praying in that. We're going to start seeing people's eyes pop open in ways we've never seen by walking past them. You know why? Because there is a light on our lives that when it begins to shine in the obscurity and in the darkness, suddenly they become light. And it's not by way of our works. It's by way of who we know we are. But it's got to start because that's what we'll do. We'll burn, we'll burn it up and we'll burn it up and we'll beg and we'll plead and we'll say we have faith and we'll say in the name of Jesus and we'll say abracadabra and we'll do all that stuff and then we won't see things happen. And then we'll say, well, Lord, why didn't we see things happen? I must not have had enough faith. It was never about your faith. It was always about his faith. That's not even what faith is. You can't have enough faith. Pistis, the word pistis is is that which comes from God that you just trust in. Faith is not you having enough or or little of it. It's you saying yes or no to what comes from him. I do nothing I haven't seen the Father do. When Jesus goes to pray for blind men and pray for paralytics and pray for leprous people, he doesn't go there and say, Lord, you know, Father, I, I really, really need you to do this. No, when he was on the way there in the spirit, he saw the Father moving on this person's behalf. So all he did was walk up and speak into existence what he had already seen the Father do, which came by way of intimacy which came by way of Jesus being convinced of who he is. Jesus comes out of the water of baptism and the audible voice of God is heard by John the Baptist. And what does he say? If God's gonna say anything in this moment, you need to repent. You know what I'm saying? Half of you have been predestined. Half of you, you're done or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like whatever the fad thing is we say nowadays. Predestination, Lord, help us. Ignorance, straight, straight ignorance. Anyway, no. What does he say? He 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 comes out of the water. This is my son, in whom I'm well pleased. That's it. <laughs> That's it. The audible voice of God is heard a second time in the life of Jesus. And it's on the mountain of transfiguration. Jesus is glowing. They're having a party, you know, the whole thing. And, uh, and Jesus' clothes are shining, all that stuff. Amazing moment. And the Father speaks. And what, what does the Father say? He doesn't say, y'all, listen, listen, you need to go pray for more people. He doesn't say you need to go transform the globe. He doesn't speak loud enough for the religious people to say, hey, y'all need to stop losing your ever-loving mind. This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. Two times the audible voice of God speaks over Jesus and both times he says, this is my son, both times. Did Jesus not know that? He absolutely knew that. The power in the understanding, this is my son, in whom I am well pleased, 
was enough power to do everything Jesus needed to do. You, you, if you want to hear one thing from the Father today, you need to hear this. You are his kid in whom he is well pleased. And if you believe that in your guts, you'll be able to do anything you need to do. So the Lord set up a church in Columbia, South Carolina called Dream Church. And I left the fame and I left the whole thing. I left it so that we could sit around in a room with 40 or 50 people. And however many people listen to this later. So that we could sit around and so that I could tell you what maybe nobody's ever told you. Which is, you're just his kid and he's just pleased. And that's it. That's enough. That's it. You are his kid and he is only pleased. You don't know what I've done. He don't care. He's just pleased. Well, bro, well, brother, if you preach a gospel like that, people, I, that, I'm telling you, I've never wanted to live more like a son than I have recently, finally actually believing I'm his son. You know what I'm saying? Why would you want to live like a slave when you realize you're an heir to the whole thing? You don't. You wake up to the fact that you're an heir to the whole thing. And what do you start doing? Living like a king or queen. That's what you were designed for. The son comes home and says, Father, I'm not good enough. I ran away. Please make me your slave. And the father says, go get my robe. <laughs> do you hear that? So, some of you need to hear that whisper today. The, the son, please make me a slave. And the father turns around to his servant and says, go get my robe. Go get my robe. Go get my ring and place it on his finger. And the father takes the robe. The son is filthy, nasty, smells like pigs. The father takes his robe and puts it on his son. And he says, son, you're home now. Why haven't we told that to people? You know what I'm saying? Don't overcomplicate it. That's it. That's, that's it. That's it. You're home now. Um, Y'all bow your heads. I'm going to pray. Father, I pray that you would make our origin real to us. Don't let this become a lullaby thing where we have said it so many times and we've thought it so many times and we've read it so many times that, that it just becomes just another thing that we do I, I'm telling you, I have never in my life ever felt closer, not just to Jesus, but felt closer to every single thing that we have access to than I have felt over the past few weeks. I've, I've started finding Jesus in Disney movies. 
Y'all know this. I've started finding Jesus in songs of people they didn't even know they were writing about things of Jesus. I've started finding Jesus in the people around me, in our male lady. And it is a whole new world. I can see, I can see his eyes. I can see his ears. I can see his nose and mouth. I I can see the way that he speaks and the way that he thinks and the way that he processes. I can see this in people around me that I have never even looked to see that stuff in before. And I'm starting to see it. And what that's going to begin to create is an evangelical movement, not like evangelical like the past. I'm talking about evangelistic movement that is going to actually transform the globe. And this time, this time, it's going to be so much easier because we're not trying to make people and the globe something that it is not. All we're trying to do is tell people and the globe to stop believing that they are something that they are not. We're not trying to transform things into things that are new. We're trying to wake things up that are living in the dark to the fact that they are new and in the light. What what if we started praying? What kind of hope? Like we've got family members that don't know the Lord, right? All of us do. We have family members that do not know the Lord. And we have strived and strived and strived to get them on our team. But what if, what kind of hope rises up on the inside of us where we begin to see that the only thing that is separating them from knowing the Lord is a lie and that's it. Uh, Now, hope begins to rise up because guess what? 100% of the time defeats a lie, the truth. So all I've got to do is be real. And the truth that flows from me living real is enough to defeat the lie. There is hope. We've got hope. There are things we used to cower back against because we didn't think we had the power to overtake them. And we're, we're starting to step up to some things we shrunk away from over and over and over because we're believing we're actually not defeated. And we're actually not in a game where defeat is even possible. We win. We win. And so, Lord, I pray this week you would solidify identity. Let me ask this. Keep your eyes closed, heads bowed. I said this last week, and um, but I, just a step further. Like, is there anybody, you would you just be honest with me? Nobody's looking around. I'm not going to get you to pre or nothing like that. You would be honest with me, and you would say, like, like, at the end of the day, I really see who I am based on what I do or what I have done. Would you, I mean, would anybody be honest and just say that? Anybody, anybody, yeah, 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 yep, 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 awesome, amazing. I'm telling you, this is the the power of this 
Take my yoke, which is easy, and my burden, which is light. I pray a removal of the yoke of works in Jesus' name right now. I pray that you would take the heavy, laborious yoke of works. You would remove that from our shoulders, and suddenly we would inherit by way of proximity. We would inherit your load, which is light, and your yoke, which is easy, which says, I know who I am. I've heard the whisper, this is my son or daughter in whom I am well pleased. I've heard that, and so what I'm going to do is I'm going to shut my mind off to every lie that says I am a culmination of what I've done and believe the truth of the Word of God in Christ Jesus, which says that we are exactly what God has determined before the foundations of the earth, and that's it. We are not a culmination of our works. We are a product of his decision. It is finished. It is finished. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me just say this before we go. Our, um, Emily, we get ready to show that. Our, that phrase, it is finished, um, that Jesus says on the cross, has started carrying a weight for me. I don't, I, I don't know about you a weight that it has never carried before because I feel like every single week along this journey I'm adding something to when Jesus said it is finished that was actually finished you know what I'm saying see we thought when Jesus said it is finished we were, he was talking about our sins no Jesus is saying all of it it's all finished Sinai what we talked about last week you rejecting me as king wanting another king you spitting in my face and crucifying me, all of it right here is done. Unbelievable.